Deborah Weller is a professional storyteller. She brings stories to life through lively characters, guitar accompaniment, and audience participation. She has performed in cities throughout the United States and countries including China, Vietnam, Scotland, and Germany. She teaches workshops and professional development for educators about storytelling in the classroom and family history storytelling. Her work includes storytelling camps for children to help each child gain confidence in public speaking skills. She's a retired educator and serves on the board of the Florida Storytelling Association and the Tale Tellers of St. Augustine, Florida. Welcome, Deborah, to the Adventures with Grammy podcast. How did you get into storytelling? Well, I started being a storyteller because I was a naughty child. My mother would send me to my room, and in my room, I would play with my dolls, make paper dolls, draw houses, have tea parties with my stuffed animals. And so I began to relish storytelling and telling the stories. In my neighborhood, I was fortunate enough that at that time, the children would gather in the summer and each year we would make a folk tale play. So we'd make the script and decorate the garage and invite all the neighbors for our fairy tale of the summer. As a teenager, I began to be a babysitter. And the best way to get kids asleep was to tell them stories. As I taught in my church in Sunday school, I used stories for Bible stories and scripture stories. Then I became a preschool teacher. And as a preschool teacher, I realized the best way to teach young children concepts of science and math and social studies and social emotional feelings was through story. When I was finishing my degree in New Jersey, I met another teacher who had a little six-month-old daughter, and I needed childcare for my newborn while I took some classes. We sat down one day and, and said, hey, what's something we could do that would be good for children and families? And we both said, let's tell stories. And I said, well, I play guitar. We can become the Annie Lynn storytellers using our middle names. So that became an adventure where we had our little daughters in tow, performing all over Philadelphia, down to Delaware, into New Jersey, the summer camps, the recreation departments, the libraries and festivals. We did that together for 12 years. And then I moved to California and had to start all over again. It was in California that I helped to form a nonprofit organization, the South Coast Storytellers Guild in Southern California, the Mission Viejo, Irvine area. And together with all of those storytellers, we created festivals and we trained teachers and docents and had after-school storytelling clubs. At that time also, I realized that I needed to work full-time and I became certified to teach in the state of California. That's where I stayed for 33 years. 
teaching kindergarten, first grade, and becoming an administrator for seven years as a teaching assistant principal. But storytelling has been the common thread because I've been at teacher conferences presenting, and I believe storytelling is the heart of the curriculum, the way that we can connect children to curriculum, children to their feelings, children to their community, but not just children, because I train teachers to use storytelling and librarians to use it in their communities. It was so fortunate that I was able to travel to China to open some kindergartens in China, both in Chengdu and Guangzhou and Shanghai, and also to train teachers in Vietnam at Kinderstar, a beautiful early childhood center in Saigon. Storytelling has taken me all over the world and currently in the last two years entertained and trained teachers in India, Europe, up in Canada. And it's been a blast to also discover that storytelling doesn't always have to be with the storyteller in front of an audience, although that's the preferred way, a live audience, but it is also translates onto the Zoom screen or a virtual screen. I have also figured out that storytelling gives people the power to speak. It is a gentle way to introduce people into public speaking, especially children. The children in my storytelling camps and clubs gain so much confidence, especially, Carolyn, my special ed friends. Um, some of my very uh, my autistic children who are more in the Asperger's range, this was a great way for them to discover comprehension skills through storytelling and to watch them blossom from initially being very stiff on the stage to getting claps. And they started to laugh and they started to engage. And it was the most beautiful transformation, which also can happen for adults. On my website, I have courses for teachers and also for families and individuals to learn personal stories. And I also help people to overcome their fear of public speaking by using storytelling to do their presentations at work and putting their data, their information into story format to help others that they are teaching to both listen and to engage and not only that, the neuroscience proves that the brain truly compartmentalizes stories into the most powerful way to learn. And if we take data, we can't remember that so much. But if we put it into story format, it goes into long-term memory. So my story journey has been one of joy. And it's lasted now over four decades. And I see it continuing through the rest of my life, to be engaging people with storytelling. And I have grandchildren now. So it is a gift that I am able to engage them as they live in Scotland with storytelling when we do our FaceTime visits. The nice thing I've also been able to do is work with Magic Polygon. It is a storytelling app. And I do the voiceovers. This is a wonderful app where I go in and record stories. People can listen to them, but it's not just for me. You, as a grandmother, anyone, parent, 
can record stories. You can also have a live story session on it where you and the children make the story together. I feel like, oh my goodness, I have received so many blessings by taking this talent and creating story. But you know what really is the bottom line? I'm a ham. (laughs) And I love to do all the story characters. And in my classroom, I created a community of storytelling, gathering every Monday, they would sit in a story circle, we would pass a sacred story stick around each child would tell me the stories of their weekend. We also used it as a learning tool to say, hey, what do we know about, let's say, polar bears, and each child would share their knowledge we go into a unit, come back to the story stick, and they would then tell what they learned. They used storytelling to explain scientific properties. They used storytelling to make math. And so it encompassed everything we did. I also used puppets, and my puppets helped with social-emotional learning. And they would tell narrative stories based on situations that happened And in my parenting classes that I teach, I would have the parents use puppets also because the puppet could take the situation and diffuse it from pointing fingers at the guilty parties and create a situation, a narrative where the children would help solve the problem within the narrative and come away with some new strategies. Those are some of the ways that I have used storytelling, Carolyn, to help the children in my life, to reach out to my own grandchildren, and to train adults to discover this magic quality. I have found with my children who are now 40 years old and older, (laughs) as well as with my grandchildren, they love puppets and it's a good way to introduce them into storytelling. Puppets are a nice way to introduce storytelling because puppets are already that imaginary friend and they can take on characters and persona that maybe the person who is telling the story might not be so comfortable in being that persona, but the puppet gives them permission maybe to be the the naughty guy or to be the shy person, or to be the bold hero. And so I'm grateful to hear that your family, which are about the age of my children and grandchildren, that they discovered puppets is a great way to interact. Now, I recommend for our grandparents and parents, even the parents who have their children only part-time, because of custody situations, the long distance grandparents. Yeah, get those puppets out, start conversations with them. Even those teenagers, they might roll their eyes a little bit, but you'll find out that they'll be playful. Send them some puppets if they're far away so that when you have virtual time together, you can create story together and come up with some different topics. But What is this all about? It's about play, engaging and communicating in a playful manner through storytelling. Two of my grandsons now, the nine and seven-year-old, when I'm with them, they often like for me to read stories, but sometimes they will say, don't read us a story, use your mouth. 
And it took me a while to figure out what they meant. But when they say, use your mouth, what they're asking me is to make up stories and tell them. So I would make up stories. And then I decided that I needed help. And I would say, what do you think is going to happen next? And so we would we would go back and forth and their imaginations would take these stories in just unbelievable ways. But it was fun to engage them and to hear their creativity when they were four and five years old. I'm so glad you brought that up because I recommend that too. This is a great way to engage in person or virtually with the grandkids by creating story together. I would usually tell my grandkids, give me a place, give me a character or two, and give me a problem. The basics of a story, right? We would create, just like you said, we would go in a story circle around each person adding a little bit to the story. And I have storytelling games that I do with groups of children like that, where we create stories. Another fun thing is to get a bag and engage the grandchildren this way, either in person or virtually, and ask them to go on a scavenger hunt around the house and find three things that could make a story and put them in a bag. Then when you're together, either in person or virtually, you take out your objects and you share them with one another. And then one person can take the responsibility of creating a story. For instance, if I had a candle, I would say, and I walked into the room and I noticed one singular candle. It was lit in the corner, creating great light. But what's that? And next I might pull out a dinosaur. Coming through the window was a dinosaur. So you know how their wonderful imaginations will take off. And sometimes by having an object, it helps to start the story. Do you ever use any story starters? Our stories usually revolve around dinosaurs. Story starters can be many different things from an object, could be one of them, or it could be that you brainstorm questions together or phrases, phrases that could be a person, a place, or a thing. For instance, on pieces of paper, you might write, a pond on another page it'll be a frog and on the third one will be a silver locket and they could either be pictures for the children who are not literate yet you could find photographs or pictures in magazines cut them up put it on three by five cards make story cards that way and separate them out with person place or thing and you might even find some pictures of calamities like weather and situations that could affect the story, the problem in the story. So that's one kind of story starter. You could make a story jar where everybody writes down, once upon a time, there was a dog. And then you could, people might write that, but the next child might write, the dog was in a swamp and you put it in there. And then you go through and everybody just writes little phrases to make story. You pull them out and then you have to make the story together. Another fun thing I highly recommend is helping our children to tell the stories of their ancestors and their own personal history. Right now, my grandkids don't have the albums. Did you ever make albums for your kids? Yes. 
Yes. Now everything is digital mostly. And those photo albums are kind of disappearing. And I don't know what I'm going to do with all of mine. Stories from photographs is a great place to start. Having their pictures of when they were young or when you were younger or your parents. And these are the wonderful stories that we can tell to help them feel closer to the ancestors that might be deceased or the people in their life that they don't see very often and don't really know their history. Another fun thing is to gather those photographs and let them tell stories about the photos so that they have a sense of family history and their own personal history. I make little books on chat books and um, Shutterfly for my grandkids. And I put in any time we've been together, I always make the story about when we've been together so that they'll have a little record because everything else is on their mom and dad's phones and computers and they're too young to have their own phones yet. Another great way to do this personal kind of storytelling to reach out is an app and it's also on the computer called Memory KPR. And you can go in there and upload your pictures, but you can narrate the story of the picture or write it out and make a whole little story book as it might be, kids are invited to join you. They can either add to the story or they can go in and you can send it to them as a gift. And that way you've told a story about, hey, remember the last time we were together and we told stories, we told stories about the dinosaurs. You might, and it's a fun app that I just recently discovered about six months ago. And it's quite divine way to do digital storytelling with your grandkids and your family. Funny that you say that because just before Christmas, I published three books and all of them have to do with storytelling and pictures. And all of these are binder forms. All it's they're PDFs that you can download from my website. And I called the one for children ages five to 12 my family tree. And it's just that very thing. It, it introduces children to their ancestors through the adults in their lives, putting in pictures and telling the stories that they know. So for the ancestors that you don't know, there are just the facts, but the ancestors like my grandmother and my great grandmother, I know stories about. So I'm writing those stories. It started because my husband my, my children's father had died long before the grandchildren came and they're at the age where they're starting to ask me questions. And so every year, like you, I write books for my grandchildren for Christmas. So this year was going to be about their grandfather. And instead of doing the Shutterfly book, I decided to put it in a notebook and make it all about family history. So I have my mom and a couple of my cousins and my mom's sister are all writing stories about themselves and about when they met my, my grandchildren. And I've asked them to write stories about what they did when my grandchildren were that age. 
And by putting the stuff into a three ring binder, it grows as the child grows and as the child's interest grows. So you don't run out of paper. You could just continue to add to it because I think storytelling and I miss my photo albums. And so this is a way of combining both of them. So thank you for mentioning that. I I really think it's important. I think that's so beautiful that you've done that. I also um, am a family history buff and I have created binders for my children with the photographs and the stories. Then, like you said, they can add their own. So each of them and my nieces and nephews, I decided to spread the wealth because somebody has to be the bearer of the family history. My grandmother was, and I'm so grateful that she passed that down to me. Now I use family search and a variety of other ways to connect my family with their family history. But if we do not perpetuate this knowledge to them, which is their own personal story, it gives them a sense of self. It gives them a sense of their history. And like you said, with your husband dying, they know who that grandpa is now. They can love him in a different way because they know about them. And I highly recommend to everyone who's listening, don't wait until it's too late. Sometimes we put it off thinking, oh, mom will be around. She's fine. She's healthy. And under our current pandemic situation, I think all of us are reflecting on our lifespan and um, our future, et cetera. And I say, don't wait like you did. You gave that gift. And it doesn't have to be fancy. There are little books that you can get at the bookstore called Grandmother Remembers. And you have PDFs for people to use on your website. Grandmother Remember books are available bookstores. And you can go in and it gives you prompts. And then all you have to do is fill them out and give yourself a chance to do that. And you can add photographs to it. But I love the idea of being able to do something on the computer, especially for our generation of our children, where most of their photographs are on their phone. If they could download onto a PDF and just add their photographs that way, like on Memory Keeper and what you're suggesting, this will be a great way for them to do it too, if they prefer digital version. But to me, I think holding that book in your hand, that's the story. It's in your hand. It's something you can hold. It's something you can pick up. And for our younger children who are not always allowed to be on the computer, they can always pick up that book. And it's like getting a hug from you. And one of the things I wrote in in both the children's version and the teen's version is take your pictures, you know, if it's you in a Taekwondo outfit, write a little story about going to Taekwondo. And the beauty is that my, my grandchildren are ranging in age from two to nine. Now the two-year-old can't do this, but the six, seven, eight, and nine-year-olds can write. When they're my age, they're going to have 60 years of stories And I have friends who have diaries and journals from their grandparents and great-grandparents. I envy them so much because they can sit and read these journals and know the intimate feelings of their ancestors. I don't have that. I, I have a lot of 
oral stories that I'm writing down for my grandkids, but I don't have anything tangible that I can hold and to see my grandparents' handwriting and to hear that first person account of what it was like in the 1918 pandemic and what it was like the first time they drove in a car or the first time they saw an airplane. Those stories to me are so invaluable. And by Helping the kids learn storytelling by looking at a picture of themselves and doing something. When they look back over the years or when their grandchildren get that picture and read that story, it's going to have such an impact on future generations. I'm so glad you do, Carolyn, and that you've given these great examples and that you're writing um, books for your grandchildren and for just writing books in general and your podcast and on your website that you're inviting people to tap their toe into storytelling. Storytelling has, it can be for education. It can be a wonderful way to connect to your cultural heritage. Years ago, I used to do memoir writing workshops and people would say, well, I don't have, I'm not famous. I haven't done anything wonderful. I I can't write a memoir. And I said, that's the beauty of it. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to do anything spectacular. You don't have to worry about printing this, you know, getting a publisher and printing this, but you are important and your stories are important to your families. And I would have them I had 10 one-hour sessions, 10 weeks, one hour each, and they would come with photographs. And then I would ask them to tell stories about these photographs and write the stories. And then they would go home and they could edit the stories. But the following week, they'd come back and they'd write about a couple more photographs. And at the end of the 10 weeks, they had this wonderful book filled with stories about their childhood, about their marriage, about their being parents. And it was wonderful. And it was their memoir. And it was a story. There were stories for them to pass down to their children and grandchildren. And the confidence that these, they were mostly women, there were a couple of men, but the confidence that they had and the satisfaction of writing down these stories, it was just amazing. And it just, I just felt so good in helping them do this. And that goes along with the fact about that journaling that you talked about and how you help these people to bring out those stories. And I do believe the photographs are the easiest pathway to bring out those stories, because when we look at them, it brings back the memories that we need to. And my, I was given very little information other than from my grandmother, but My mother died at age 42, and my father died at 52. So I had to go back and interview people, like my mother's best friend and maid of honor, to find out more about my mother as a teenager, as a young mother. So we have to have this responsibility, I think, and to put that into the minds of this next generation, our own children, and especially our grandchildren. It's a beautiful way to bond with them. As you saw, when these people took your class, they bonded with their information and discovered, oh my gosh, I did have a life. It's a good life. 
And even when we have things that are the scary parts of our life, the dark part of our lives, we can still talk about it as long as we are able. When we're going through grief, how wonderful to be able to share that process with the grandchildren that they can see, yes, we go through grief, but I carried on my life. The sad things in life, too, speaking about death of family members, I think it's important that we do not insulate the children for this when they maybe haven't had a chance yet to even experience it. StoryCores has a website, and it's all about storytelling. They allow you to go in and set up an account and you can record your ancestor stories. You can record your live storytelling about family members, but they also have pages and pages of story prompts with little questions like, what was your least favorite food as a child? How did music play a part in your life? What clothing did you wear as a child? Just prompting questions. And there's hundreds of them that people could pick and choose. And those become a story starter. When you gather as a family, either in person or virtual, it's kind of fun to play a game like that, to do a story prompt and record the session with everyone's permission so that you have this audio and virtual recording of how everybody looked and how they told their stories, because I think it's good to have it on paper, but they need to hear our voice too. Right on your phone, you can go to the audio section and make little audio recordings, send them to your grandkids, you telling stories. I connect virtually with my grandkids and my great nieces and nephews who are now in their 20s. I will just be silly and send them videos for their birthdays. Oh, that's they know me as it all send them videos. Here they are 25, but I'm sending them a happy birthday and I'm wearing a birthday hat and I might even take out my puppet and sing happy birthday to them because I feel like, you know, they'll have a little video of me, whether they save it or not. It's there. One of my friends said that things that she really loves most, she recently lost her husband. And she was so grateful that she had so many videos of him, which she compiled as Christmas gifts for her children and her grandchildren so that they would hear grandpa's voice. They would see him in action, being playful or silly or whatever he was doing, working in the garden. They now have a video representation of him and it's saved on a cloud format so that the family can access it. So I think storytelling can take many components from that binder, that book, the oral traditions. We need to take time to record it, to make it a little more permanent. So whether it's in written form or virtual format, that way your grandchildren and their children will have something in a format. I know technology will always change, but they'll have something. And that's why I think the written journal is so important. I appreciate the technology. It does change and sometimes we lose things. So it's always good to back it up in the written form. I like to say, write it down to pass it I down. Agree. I, I love that motto, write it down to pass it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
when I taught English in high school, and I used to read stories to my to my students, like if we were reading a, a novel for English class, I would read, and people would say, they're high school students, why are you reading to them? Because teenagers like to be read to as well. They may not admit it, but they enjoyed it in class, and they understood and comprehended it because... I tested them and I knew that they did. One of the things you talked about a story stick. I love the idea of a story stick. And I would do something similar on the high school level is we would sit in a circle and I had a story stick and we would pass it around and people, you know, the students could talk or the add to their story. But as you were talking, it occurred to me that for a family with a lot of young children, or a lot of grandchildren, because I know some grandchildren, some families have lots and lots of grandchildren, that a story stick would be fabulous because the rule was if you have the story stick, you're the one talking and everybody else must be quiet. That might be something that grandparents want to start up, a story stick. Oh, yes. I tell you, we just got dowels and it's fun if you're all together, everybody to make a story stick, get some dowels, get some feathers get some ribbon, um, some beads, and they can decorate their own story stick. That way they'll have it with them. Even virtually it works. If you're on Zoom with your family or FaceTime, if you have your story stick, you can virtually pass it to everyone. (laughs) That is a fabulous idea. Yeah, it just works out. But these are the traditions that create story as sacred. In Native American and ancient cultures, story is sacred. And the storyteller in Native American cultures I've studied in Africa, the Pourquoi stories were the stories that explained what happened in nature or natural occurrences in development of our minds and our bodies. And these stories were created as the education to the children. The storyteller would travel from village to village and bring forth the story. And of course, it changed as it went from village to village. That's why there's like 900 versions of Cinderella around the world and all these different folk tales that have been changed based on which culture that they were told in. So yes, a story stick creates a family tradition. It can be a story bear. It could be a story shoe. I've seen some people take old sneakers and decorate them, and it becomes a story shoe. A story rock, where everybody decorates a um, nice-sized rock, and it becomes the story rock. So I think these are the things that create a further bond, no matter how far or how close you are geographically, by having this family thread of story, the playful stories, the stories you create together, the stories we read together, and the stories from our past and handing down the family history stories. Another fun thing is stories about recipes and cooking. Everybody loves food, right? So (laughs) making stories about food and favorite recipes from grandmothers. I'm fortunate to have a few of those written, handwritten by my grandmother and my mother. They're handwritten ones, and I treasure seeing their handwriting. So I think it's also a fun component if the family's into food, is to have food stories and talk about 
all those delicious concoctions, both the mistakes and the fun things, and to bake together, to make story while you're baking about the delicious moments in life where we are sharing a meal together and having that memory. Like the first time I went to Sicily to visit my family there and the food went on for nine hours. We had food from their garden, the taste of the figs and the peaches, the family wine, the family cheese. So these are things that I have written down in journals to pass on to my children and to my grandchildren. I always make it a point no, as you said, even those teenagers, we need to connect with them through story and to engage them in a playful way. And whether they're getting older, that these storytelling is an essential career skill. You know that as an educator, as leading conferences, as leading workshops, our ability to speak in front of a group is an essential career skill. So when we help our children to tell these stories, we're helping them in their comprehension skills, we're helping them in their communication skills. So I found all the kids in my story club, the teachers were say they were the better writers, and they were also the better leaders. And they were great at giving their talks in front of a group. So storytelling opens up so many components, it became a rare skill. I want to read to you a little story that my seven-year-old grandson wrote, my daughter-in-law sent it to me last night. <laughs> and he said, let me tell you about my pet reindeer. My reindeer's name is Rudolph. I found my pet at Dave and Buster's. My reindeer's favorite <laughs> snack is Oreos. When my reindeer is sleepy, it likes to sleep in whipped cream. I love my reindeer. He watches YouTube with me. I am so glad I have a pet reindeer. <laughs> he's seven years old he's seven years old but yes. and look at the way he wrote that and he brought in the whipped cream he <laughs> described his reindeer and it, it has a beginning a middle and an end and wow don't you think though some that is because of the oral storytelling you have done with him of course, you know, he's gotten nice schooling and hopefully has a great teacher that's also introducing him to writing and finding his imagination and using words in a clever way. But yes, we as the grandmother or the grandfather, the auntie, the uncle, all of those people who have influence over the next generation, we have this opportunity to engage them in ways when mommies and daddies are just too busy with life. We can be that person that is playful, brings story in, teaches them science activities, helps them with their math, create with them, go out in nature with them and wonder about nature together. So when moms and dads are busy with life, I never had anybody in my life to do that with my children because they predeceased my children. And so they didn't have that person in their life to do it. So, you know, I did it. And our summers were great when I was off from school because it became family learning time. But most parents, as we know, are overwhelmed in the last two years. They've been just kicked around trying to discover, okay, how do we do this? How, how do we make our life go again? We have a sacred duty as these loving family members who can gather these children in ways and leave 
that legacy of storytelling and play with them. My entire goal for this podcast and for all of my books is to connect grandparents and grandchildren so that there is a legacy of love. I am not in a financial position to leave them money, but when I die and I'm a memory, I hope they remember the stories and the good times that we shared. What I'm trying to do is to help grandparents realize they don't have to spend a lot of money to leave a legacy. It takes some time and some intentionality, but starting with storytelling and passing down these stories and just taking kids on, I call them adventures, which might mean a walk around the neighborhood, looking for leaves, looking for special rocks, a trip to the park. Those are all ways of making memories that you then can write about in your journals that the kids will have when you are a memory and you're no longer here to do those stories. And that's the cool thing about being grandparents is all of us have the ability to leave a legacy of love through storytelling. I agree, Carolyn. And it's the little things in life that make the sweetest memories. We don't have to take them on trips and journeys because those trips and journeys start right in the backyard. Whenever I'm with my grandchildren, they have a beautiful big park, Queen's Park. They live in Glasgow, Scotland. And we just go out to the park and we discover things together. Then we come back. We might make a craft with what we discovered, but we write story about our little journey for the day. So I agree. And my advice is connect with them in the beautiful, small ways. My grandparents didn't have much money, but my grandmother introduced me to Macbeth and we would dress up in my aunt's prom dresses and become the story of Macbeth. My other grandmother taught me to sew and to love the opportunity to make clothing for my dolls. So that was her gift. Each of us, grandmas, grandpas, aunties, and uncles, have a gift to give to them. And the legacy of our stories are that gift. That is beautiful. I'm wondering if you would be willing to share a story with our listeners. Absolutely. I will do a short story, a fable. I highly recommend fables as a fun way to connect with your grandchildren. The reason being, they do have a moral to them that you can discuss, but fables are about life in general. Everything in a fable, most people have gone through. So this one I have modified slightly to go along with our topic. Once there was a camel. This camel had long lashes. She had a coat of brown fur, one hump, beautiful long camel legs with hooves and a tail. Her lips were full. One day, as she was at the oasis with the other camels, she looked at them and said, I'm thinking about becoming a storyteller. The other camels lifted up their heads from the watering hole, looked her straight in the eye, spit on the ground, and one of them spoke and said, why do you want 
to be a storyteller? Why can't you just be a camel? What is wrong with you? That did not deter her. She went to her home and she dreamed of being a storyteller. She walked through the town and found the finest books and read them. She learned how to tell the stories of the desert, how to tell the stories that explain the stars in the skies. I think I'm going to have a storytelling evening out under the stars and invite all of my camel friends to come. Then they'll see that I'm a storyteller. She sent out invitations to her camel friends to gather on Friday evening under the moon by the oasis. When they got the invitations, they would look at them and they would murmur, can you believe what she's doing? I can't believe what she's doing. What is wrong with her? Being a camel is good. Why does she have to be something different? But nonetheless, they did show up on the evening under the moon and the stars at the oasis. She welcomed all of her friends. I'm so glad that you came to hear my story. She told the stories of why the stars and the moon are in the sky. She told the stories of the sand drifting and how people came across the desert to find the life-giving oasis. When she was done, she bowed and took her beautiful eyelashes and flicked them. Her friends' mouths were wide open. They stood still. She did not worry and she didn't expect applause because she knew that her friends were now lost in the stories she had woven. Eventually, they came out of their story trance. They stamped their hooves. They smacked their lips. They spat on the ground. And they said, ah, you have showed us that not only we can be camels, but we can be storytellers. The camel who wanted to be a storyteller. That is fabulous. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I am grateful to have been here. And I'm so thankful, Carolyn, that you invited me and that we connected because of social media. We get to connect and it's a beautiful thing. And I appreciate all that you are doing to promote storytelling. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. You will find the links to our guests and the topics we discussed in this episode's show notes. If you would like to be a guest, or if you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please connect with me at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com.